0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. Let the financial fun begin. Hey, welcome everybody to the Wiser Financial Advisor. Today, I have guest Christopher Fry, a realtor with the group Real Estate and somebody who's been a friend for many, many years. So welcome, Christopher. Hi, Josh. The exciting topic today, I think what's on a lot of people's minds right now is the economy and the real estate market. So I think this is going to be a great conversation. But before we get started, uh, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about how you got into this business and what is it that gets you excited about it?
1: I've been in real estate now for almost nine years. You know, I've just had, had seen and started to begin to understand the power of real estate and, and what that can mean for people. Really, as my business has grown, you know, have found uh, a lot of excitement and, and joy in helping the first-time home buyer get into a home and having them enter into that uh, realm of home ownership and then and beginning to see the benefits of, of what ownership is all about that'll get me jazzed. Their excitement at the closing table, especially in a market that's been very difficult for first-time home buyers and for first-time home buyers to win, to help them win and get into their first home is uh, is super exciting for me.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's, that's a huge life event, especially your first home.
1: It is. It, it very much is.
0: And of course, in, in your world, in the real estate world, uh, you've seen a pretty profound change, right, in activity and really what options people have.
1: That's correct. It's not just the real estate market. It's you know, all the markets as well. And last year we were in, in a market where the the seller was in the driver's seat. And I used to joke with people that if you had a home to sell, put a sign in the yard with the number four and then write S-A-I-L on it for sale, and you'd still get multiple offers above list price. And you, you come to today and the story has flipped on its side. I wouldn't say it, it's a buyer's market but it's moving more in that direction. There are less buyers out there, even less inventory out there. But you know, with that, there comes opportunities for that. But for sellers, they need to be wiser with their approach. You can't really sit back and just throw a price on a home and just know that people will pay above. And there's a lot more preparation and marketing that goes into homes. It takes the population about three to four months to catch up to where the market is. And so sellers are now just starting to understand, oh, we can't live the way we used to, where it would be a a feeding frenzy. We'd have multiple offers the first weekend. And so there needs to be a little bit more patience. And I think, you know, the the market that that we had, it kind of got normalized that that's the way it is,
0: Mm -hmm. uh, that
1: frenzy. But the reality is we're moving into a market that is maybe more the way it used to be, where homes don't sell in a weekend. It may take a couple of weeks. And you're going to have to be more strategic about pricing and, and your placement in the market.
0: That's right. a good a good observation though. You're thinking that this is really back more to what normally would be happening in the market?
1: I think a little more normal, just in the sense that the frenetic activity has gone away. Buyers have a little bit more time to to think and process and really determine if they wanna put an offer in, they, they have more homes to choose from. And not that there's a, an influx of homes, but there there are just more homes. And and now they at least they have time to think about it and to really mull over the decision and find the house that really works best for them.
0: Yeah, the Fed really slammed on the brakes earlier this year. They've admitted to that they waited too long. They should have really been starting to slowly raise interest rates at least a year before they did. And of right. course, there was a lot of stimulus. You know, now it's easy to look back, right? But there was a lot of stimulus that was pumped into the economy following the pandemic as as uh, the lockdowns and everything just hurt the economy uh, so much that it was really an effort to keep things from going into a severe, severe recession. I know you're not a mortgage broker, right? But just to, yeah, I know you watch real estate interest rates quite a bit. Where have things kind of swung over the last, say, 12 months or so?
1: Right. That's a great question. About this time last year, uh, mortgage rates were right around 3%, low threes, high twos. You know, I I talked with somebody who said that they refinanced last fall at 2.8%.
0: That's insane. And and
1: yeah, and, and they're extremely happy with it and transposed to just a year later, you know, rates are at low sevens, high sixes. You know, Even at the beginning of the year, I was reading analysts' predictions, and and most of them had, had predicted rates would go up this year. And most of them had predicted by the end of this year, they'd be in the high threes, low fours, which would have been a very gradual increase. I don't think it would have been a shock to the system at all at that pace. But to go from three and within less than a year up to 7%, it shocked the system and has created fear for some people. I've worked with clients who got pre-qualified for a loan at the beginning of the year. They got priced out because as the interest rate goes up, their monthly payment goes up, it's been tough for them. was reading recently an article that talked about if you had a home, and let's just say it was a $400,000 home, and you bought it last year at this time, interest rate's at 3%, you bought it this year at 7%, that you'd be paying... Up to 60% more on your mortgage payment just over that year. That's all interest. Uh, It's moved people out of being able to qualify for purchasing a home.
0: Yeah. The party has ended uh, for sure, right, with rates <laughs> right. at those levels. And that I, I know we visited a little bit before my first mortgage was at uh, 8.75% on a 30 year fixed. You know, basically, since then, rates have done nothing but go down. So to me, it seems mm-hmm. like everything is great.
1: Historically, where we're at right now is about average. If you go back over time, averaged out interest rates, they are, you know, at this 7% is, is about average. My first interest rate on my first home was seven and an eight. I thought we were doing really good.
0: Yeah, at, well, at, that was that about the historical average, right? Yeah, the, yeah right. that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that stat before.
1: Well, my parents tell me a story about when they bought a house uh, when I, when I was younger, and their interest rate was uh, almost twenty percent. Mm. Um, and so, part of it's it's all about perspective, but a part of it is just dollars and cents as well. And as interest rates go up, your buying power goes down. And the you know kind of the rule of thumb is for every one percent an interest rate goes up, a mortgage rate goes up, your buying power goes down 10%. So if you qualified for a $400,000 home at 4%, say, it goes up to 5%. Now you only qualify for a $360,000 home.
0: Yeah. So we certainly have seen because of that, right? We've seen a lot of buyers get priced out of the market. You've noticed uh, a change in activity, uh, certainly from what was happening before, but has it just kind of ground to nothing right now as far as activity or what are you seeing out there as far as kind of now compared to where we've been?
1: It, well, it definitely hasn't ground to nothing, thankfully, but it has slowed. And part of it you know, right now being being November, part of the slowing is just a seasonal slowing of the market. Usually is a little slower. In the fourth quarter, you get closer to the holidays. But what we're finding is there are still homes out there that need to be sold. There are still buyers out there that that want to buy homes just the numbers of both of them have have gone down. But those who are out there looking to buy a home are serious about buying. And the people who are out there selling have a reason that they wanna be selling. And it's just a matter of marrying those two together and finding what's out there and available to them. Even as uh, the market ha- has shifted and interest rates have gone up, I also have seen that the market is presenting itself with opportunities. Specifically for buyers that, last year were getting beat out on homes, because maybe they had an FHA loan, or they had a down payment assistance program, they didn't have a lot of money to bring to the table. And they were getting beat out by people who had better loans or more more money, they could cover appraisal gap differences. And you know, you're writing those right into into contracts. And so a lot of people were just frankly, just couldn't compete. Well, With the change in the market and less buyers being out there, we're seeing more opportunity for these people who were beat out in the past to have an opportunity to get their foot in the door. Obviously, it still comes down to their ability to qualify for a loan with the increase of the interest rate, but we're seeing less competition out there, less homes that have multiple offers coming in, homes that are sitting on the market a little longer. They're seeing price reductions. Sellers are offering seller concessions to help buyers with closing costs and being able to not have as much money that they need to bring to the table. There are opportunities for buyers to win in even in, in this market if they still can qualify. And right. you know as I talk with my buyers, you know one of the things when they go, oh, you know interest rates are at seven percent, maybe we shouldn't look at a home. And I pose this question to them and I go, let's say we find a home, and you're locked in at 7%. Hypothetically next year, the interest rates are at 10%. How are you gonna feel? Like, oh yeah, we're gonna feel pretty good because we got in at at 7%. I'm like, exactly. Let's say we get you in a home and and hypothetically, rates drop down to 5% next year. Mm -hmm. You can always refinance and relock in at, at new mortgage rate, but you've gotten in your home. This is my opinion. The fear is if rates really start to come down, which they are predicting next year that that interest rates, uh, mortgage rates will come down, that it'll start almost that frenzy again. So is this a good opportunity for people to get in? I think it is.
0: You know, we, we've seen it in the stock market, the bond market, it, pretty much every market that was going up last year is going down this year. Mm-hmm. But if we look at past recessions, if that's what we're in right now, downturns, whatever you want to call it, that's really where most people that are successful investors, that's mm-hmm. when they make all their money, which for people who aren't seasoned investors, they're like, what? I think you're losing money. Well, no, because you're actually getting to buy cheaper. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean the things can't go cheaper. And th- we always caution people about that. Whether you're investing in a house or the stock market or anything like that is that you've got to have a proper time horizon. Sometimes things are cheap and they get cheaper and they get cheaper and they get cheaper. So you could end up, uh, being in a situation, if you're trying to flip houses or something like that, you could end up in a really ugly situation if the market drops further. I suppose you've seen the price changes, and it probably matters too as far as what level of home. Again, in Colorado, I know the market here is different than Florida or North Carolina or other areas in the country, but what have you been seeing as far as these different classes of markets?
1: I think there's a little misconception that that home prices are going down you look back over the past six recessions that we've had four out of the six home prices have actually still gone up during the recession one of them obviously was a real estate market bust back in 2008 home prices went down pretty dramatically in some areas during that recession but other recessions home prices have have continued to appreciate and what i think you're seeing happen right now is and you alluded to this earlier i believe that last year was kind of the culmination of this crazy market and homes appreciated, at least in Northern Colorado, 18, 19%, which is not sustainable to continue to have that. And what you're seeing, at least here in Northern Colorado, and and I would venture to say probably in, in a lot of markets across the country, is a deceleration in the rate of appreciation. So home prices are still going up, but they're just not going up at the pace that they were before. So this year you might see, because first quarter was still pretty hot appreciation somewhere between five and 7% this year, next year, most of the things that I'm reading say home prices will appreciate maybe one and a half, two 2%, which is different than close to 20%, but home prices are still going up. They're just not going up. Yeah.
0: That's, that's, that's interesting. Crazy. Cause yeah, I think the average person at least thinks that, Oh, my, my house is probably losing value right now. Um, and maybe it is. Nobody knows because it's all individual. Right? That's the misconception, it sounds like, that maybe I had as well, is that we've seen some price drops.
1: You will see homes on the market and people are reducing their price of the home. And There's a couple of factors in there. One is, was the home priced right to begin with? Was it priced right with with where the market currently is, or was it priced based off of where the market was? And if you priced it based off of the dynamics of last year, maybe you started way too high. And so you're seeing people reduce the prices of homes, but that doesn't mean that the average price of a home is going to go down. I mm-hmm. think there's just going to be need to be a lot more of a strategic approach to to pricing homes. Last year, it almost seemed like you could throw any price on a home and there's such demand out there. People would pay it. I and mean, if it didn't appraise, they would bring money to cover the difference. I think there's a re education that needs to happen and a lot more analysis of okay, what are homes in this neighborhood? What are they listed at? You know, how are you going to compete with that? What's the difference between homes that are selling and still selling quickly as opposed to homes that are sitting on the market? I had a home that went on the market last week and we were under contract within three days. And we did a lot of preparation on that home, getting it ready for the market, marketing it well doing detailed analysis of of pricing of the home. And so there are homes out there that still sell quickly. and there are still some that get multiple offers on it. When I'm sitting with my sellers, I go, the homes that are priced right and in the best condition and marketed well are still selling
0: fast. I, I think a lot of it is uh, still we sell buyers. obviously, you still have people who want to buy, but it's also an inventory issue. There's still only so many houses out there on the market to be bought. so, so we're not anywhere close to that right? that we're we're still looking at a limited supply really of homes that are available to buy.
1: That is true. And thinking back to when there was that a huge building frenzy, Builders were building, people were buying, they were overextended on their ability to to be able to continue to pay for those homes. And you know when the bottom came out, the bottom really came out. As a result of that, builders stopped building, new homes, new construction. And that happened for, for years. Right. Builders were very, very scared to, to make the investment into building new homes. They had taken it in the shorts, so to speak, during that real estate market crash. The number of buildings that happened per decade, and I have these numbers. Let me, pull, let me pull them up here real quick. And this is by, by decade. If you go back to, to nineteen thirty and you look at home builds by decade, back in the 1930 through 1939, the number of homes built were, it was 5.4 million. You get up to 1950, and there were over 20 million through the year 2000, 2009. It was always over 20 million homes being built. In 1990, there were 26.7 million. 2000, there were 27.1 million homes being built. Well, then you had the the real estate market crash. So from 2010 to 2019, there were only 5.8 million homes built. Wow. That's why there's a shortage. Builders were very hesitant to get back in the market and and to start building again. And it took them a while to to trust that, okay, we we can bring new product to the market. We can sell it. We can make money off of it. But if you have years and years and years of new homes not coming to market, you compare 2000 to 2009 to 2010 to 2019, there's a 22 million home difference in new homes being built.
0: Yeah, that's incredible.
1: So builders are trying to get caught up. But if the market demands in the 20 millions of homes per decade, and they are 20 million behind, I mean, it's gonna take a
0: while. It's going to get worse uh, probably because I think a lot of home builders now have they're getting scared, right? Because mm-hmm. hey, rates are going up, uh, we're possibly going into a recession or in a recession. So, a lot of home builders yep. are putting the brakes on, right? As far as new builds,
1: they are. Uh, but even in northern Colorado, which had been scalding hot for, for new builds, we're seeing it slow down. Last year, we're writing contracts for homes to be built. You know, be completed in 9, 10, 12 months from when you sign the contract. Well, when people signed the contract and interest rates were at 3%, now they're at 7%. And they all of a sudden like, well, we can't afford this home anymore. Builders have the supplies there. So, you know, they are still building homes. I've, I've seen a couple of communities that builders are building in and they're just building homes to rent. That's how they're trying to recoup some of their costs. When I talk with my buyers and, and this just kind of gets back into you know your home being a, a great investment for you, I tell buyers all the time, you're gonna have what I coined it as a living expense. You're either gonna pay rent or you're gonna pay a mortgage, but you're gonna have some sort of a cost to have a place to live. The question is, do you want that money to work for you or do you not want it to work for you? At the end of the year, if you're renting, in a, let's say you rent an apartment, what do you have to show for it? Well, you you had a safe place to live. If you pay a mortgage, well, you pay down your principal, your home has hopefully gone up in value. So you're building equity with that. So your money is working for you. When I talk with buyers, you know, the first thing when we sit down and especially with first time home buyers, what I say to them is, you know, we're just going to have a conversation here. And at the end of the conversation, one of a couple of things is going to happen. One is we'll determine, Hey, it makes sense to move forward and in, into buying a home. We may come to the conclusion that this just isn't the right time to do that. And that's okay. Home ownership isn't for everybody at every specific moment. For whatever reason, maybe it makes more sense to rent. Um, I don't know if I'm going to still be living here in six months. Well, that's probably not a great uh, investment to, to purchase a home in those situations. But you're gonna have an expense to to live one way or another. It's just a matter of how how do you want that money to work for you?
0: Yeah, that's I think a really good point too, as a lot of it does come down to time horizon, as far as mm-hmm. how long are you gonna be there. Uh, not just in that home, but in the community, could a job change? Uh, you know, is your job uh, you know maybe not stable enough where you could be moving? Who knows what right. could be happening? So you do a lot of education on the front end of things, right? For people who maybe it's their first experience that they'd be a first-time home buyer, first time they've had a mortgage. Any general advice, I guess, for people who are kind of thinking about it right now, or maybe they're a little bit spooked, maybe they're scared to move forward because they've heard from people that, yeah, interest rates are high, so you shouldn't buy a house now.
1: As far as advice goes. have a couple of things that come to mind is talk to somebody who's knowledgeable about the market, who's knowledgeable about homes and home prices, talk with a reliable lender, a real estate agent, realtor should be able to provide you names of some great lenders who can help answer all the financial aspects and the the financial questions that you have. Uh, But I think part of it is just being educated in the process. I find a lot of times, again, with more with first time home buyers, just a lot of misconceptions. As we talk, and I work as an advisor for them in this process of just answering their questions, eliminating misconceptions. A lot of times, people just have the misconception they need 20% to be able to put down to buy a home. You know, depending on where your market is, I mean, that can be a lot of money. You know, if you have a $400,000 home, 20% is $80,000, and you know, it's hard to come up with $80,000 if you're young. Part of it's just understanding, no, there are programs, there are options out there. First time home buyer programs, with as little as 3% down for a conventional loan. There's down payment assistance programs out there that can help you get it, you're put in the door and get into a home. Uh, and so speaking with a lender who can explain some of those options, speaking with a realtor who who knows not only some of those options, but can alleviate the misconceptions that are out there. I do think there is opportunity right now, even with higher interest rates, to win when maybe you haven't won before. I think we had discussed that a little earlier. If you're worried about interest rates in the sixes and sevens, just remember that rent is a 100% interest rate. Uh, and so the, the process doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't need to be scary. If you work with somebody who understands the process and can coach you through and answer those questions and make the process and the transaction as smooth as possible. And my team consists of lenders and inspectors and stagers and photographers and and things like that. And they're excellent at what they do. I don't begin to provide any sort of financial answers to, to clients. I have lenders that are phenomenal at that, have deep financial smarts, and they'll answer those questions. I'll stay in my lane, I'll stay in the real estate lane, and I'll let the financial people stay in the financial lane. They don't stay on my team if they do a bad job. If my buyers come back and say, "Wow, I could never get a hold of this person," or you know they kept changing what they were saying to me, they don't stay on my team. And so work with somebody that has a great team that, that they work with. What I want is to be at the closing table and for my clients, whether they're sellers or they're buyers, to say this was so much easier and smoother than we had heard it would be. That's the greatest compliment that I can receive.
0: Yeah, I love your comment there about uh, pulling together a team, too, because especially if it's something that you're due to with anything, that's what we do on the financial planning end, um, certainly. Important on the lending end, the home buying end, to, to work with experts, work with people that have a heart—the heart of a teacher, because mm-hmm. yeah, you need to be able to make the decision yourself, right? You're never going to just hand over all your decision-making capability to somebody else. Yeah, and you may be working with experts, but you need to be educated enough to make sure that you actually understand what's going on. So, uh, right. one last question well, for I... you. Yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, I was yeah. just—I
1: was just, just going to say that exactly right on.
0: Yeah. And on the Wiser Financial Advisor, uh, the reason why the podcast exists is that we, instead of trying to figure everything out ourselves from a trial and error standpoint, it makes a lot more sense, I think, <laughs> to go out and find other people who have walked that path and have experience. So that's really what we're right. uh, talking about today. The, the last question that around that, and this isn't specific to the mortgage or uh, real estate industry, but if you were talking to, a, say, a smart, driven, recent college graduate that's really just for the first time entering the business world or the work world, what advice would you have for them?
1: I think the advice I would have is there aren't any shortcuts. So be willing to work hard, put in your time. People will recognize and appreciate dedication and a strong work ethic. Be wise with money and keep track of of market trends no matter what industry you're in. Where is the market heading? Where is it going? How can you work to kind of be on, on that leading edge uh, of where things are going? You treat others, just treat them with respect. And, uh, and lastly, admit your mistakes. If you make a mistake, admit it. and And people are usually very open and understanding as opposed to not even talking about the mistake or not coming up with a, a solution
0: or a plan to fix it. The reality is the people who are really successful have just, they've made a lot more mistakes along the way and they've learned from them. And so they're just further down the path than you are. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, you are one of those people out there, the financial, the real estate industry that uh, has the heart of a teacher. So thank you. Appreciate it and, and have a great week.
1: You too. Thanks, Josh.
0: We love feedback and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes and help us promote the podcast by rating us and also subscribing to us at your favorite podcast service. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC registered investment advisor. Keystone Financial Services and Christopher Fry are separate and non-affiliated parties. Keystone does not endorse or receive compensation from Christopher Fry. The views expressed represent the opinions of Christopher Fry. The views are subject to change.